I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Prakaptan. I hope you're well and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. Today, we're working through one of Seneca's letters. This one is letter 15 and is entitled On Brawn and Brains. I'm going to get to that letter in just a moment. However, before I do, I'd like to have a brief heart to heart with you, dear, dear listener. Recently, we as a team crossed an amount of monthly revenue that has allowed us to hire an editor and engineer for our podcast recordings. You may, as a result, have noticed a bit of a difference in editing styles of the show, or you haven't, which is even better. This milestone is immense because it frees up approximately 20 hours of my time a week, and I can now reinvest that time into other aspects of the practical stoicism and practical philosophy projects that are in desperate need of my attention. Do you remember mini-mentories, or our Substack, or our monthly publication in various magazines, or our Discord community, or our talk of live shows and future community retreats? All of those things have had to come second, third, fourth, all the way to last to the podcast production and post-production. And as Kai and I work to organize everything we do into some semblance of an organized, structured, repeatable work week, which is challenging, we're making a couple of changes. One that you will notice very soon, if you haven't already, is that Kai is taking over Wednesday interviews for the most part. That's not to say I won't be present for any interviews in the future or that I won't conduct them solo sometimes, but that Kai will fill the interviewer role primarily moving forward. And I will support him when he needs it or, you know, to be honest, when the guest is so super interesting that I absolutely refuse not to be part of the conversation. But that is only every other Wednesday. The Wednesdays in between, we're starting to bring members of our community onto the show to talk about their own implementation and practice of Stoicism. And you've heard one of those interviews already. Kai and I will co-lead these conversations, and we're hopeful that they will serve to provide even more practical examples of how one can practice Stoicism in their own life. They also, of course, provide an opportunity for us to get closer to some of you and help you to feel more like what you always have been, 
the largest part of what makes this podcast valuable to so many people and of making our work more meaningful. If you are already a premium ad-free listener, you are already part of what makes these sort of improvements and changes possible. If you are not yet a paid subscriber, and paid subscribers, I'm sorry that you are also hearing this message. I know hearing a call to action to become a paying subscriber after you already are one is a little annoying. Apologies, I promise it won't happen very often. But if you're not already a paid subscriber, it is only $2.99 a month to get rid of ads and support us more directly. The more of you who support us, the more independent we can become, and ultimately, the more we can do for all of you. You can support us by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash members, or there's always a link in the show notes of every episode. Thank you for your support if you're already doing this. We genuinely appreciate what you enable us to do. And if you're not already a premium member or you have no intention of becoming one, still thank you because you show up every day. And that's also important. Now, with that out of the way, let's get to letter 15 on brawn and brains from Seneca. Here it is. The old Romans had a custom which survived even into my lifetime. They would add to the opening words of a letter, If you are well, it is well. I also am well. Persons like ourselves would do well to say, If you are studying philosophy, it is well. For this is just what being well means. Without philosophy, the mind is sickly, and the body, too, though it may be very powerful, is strong only as that of a madman or a lunatic is strong. This, then, is the sort of health you should primarily cultivate. The other kind of health comes second and will involve little effort if you wish to be well physically. It is indeed foolish, my dear Lucilius, and very unsuitable for a cultivated man to work hard over developing the muscles and broadening the shoulders and strengthening the lungs. For although your heavy feeding produces good results and your sinews grow solid, you can never be a match either in strength or in weight for a first-class bull. Besides, by overloading the body with food, you strangle the soul and render it less active. Accordingly, limit the flesh as much as possible and allow free play to the spirit. Many inconveniences beset those who devote themselves to such pursuits. In the first place, they have their exercises, at which they must work and waste their life force and render it less fit to bear a strain or the severer studies. Second, their keen edge is dulled by heavy eating. Besides, they must take orders from slaves of the vilest stamp, men who alternate between the oil flask and the flagon, whose day passes satisfactorily if they have got up a good perspiration and quaffed, to make good what they have lost in sweat, huge drafts of liquor which will sink deeper because of their fasting. Drinking and sweating, it is the life of a dyspeptic. Now there are short and simple exercises which tire the body rapidly and so save our time, and time is something of which we ought to keep strict account. These exercises are running, brandishing weights, and jumping, high jumping or broad jumping, or the kind which I may call the priest's dance, or in sliding terms, the clothes cleaner's jump. Select for practice any one of these, and you will find it plain and easy. 
But whatever you do, come back soon from body to mind. The mind must be exercised both day and night, for it is nourished by moderate labor. And this form of exercise need not be hampered by cold or hot weather, or even by old age. Cultivate that good which improves with the years. Of course, I do not command you to be always bending over your books and your writing materials. The mind must have a change, but a change of such a kind that it is not unnerved, but merely unbent. Riding in a carriage shakes up the body, but does not interfere with study. One may read, dictate, converse, or listen to another. Nor does walking prevent any of these things. You need not scorn voice culture, but I forbid you to practice raising and lowering your voice by scales and specific intonations. What if you should next propose to take lessons in walking? If you consult the sort of person whom starvation has taught new tricks, you will have someone to regulate your steps, watch every mouthful as you eat, and go to such lengths as you yourself, by enduring him and believing in him, have encouraged his effrontery to go. What then, you ask, is my voice to begin at the outset with shouting and straining the lungs to the utmost? No. The natural thing is that it be aroused to such a pitch by easy stages. Just as persons who are wrangling begin with ordinary conversational tones and then pass to shouting at the top of their lungs, no speaker cries, help me, citizens, at the outset of his speech. Therefore, whenever your spirit's impulse prompts you, raise a hubbub, now in louder, now in milder tones. According as your voice, as well as your spirit, shall suggest to you when you are moved to such a performance. Then let your voice, when you rein it in and call it back to earth, come down gently, not collapse. It should trail off in tones halfway between high and low, and should not abruptly drop from its raving in the uncouth manner of countrymen. For our purpose is not to give the voice exercise, but to make it give us exercise. You see, I have relieved you of no slight bother, and I shall throw in a little complimentary present. It is Greek, too. Here is the proverb. It is an excellent one. Quote, The fool's life is empty of gratitude and full of fears. Its course lies wholly toward the future. End quote. Who uttered these words, you ask? the same writer whom I mentioned before. And what sort of life do you think is meant by the fool's life? That of Baba and Izio? No, he means our own. For we are plunged by our blind desires into ventures which will harm us, but certainly will never satisfy us. For if we could be satisfied with anything, we should have been satisfied long ago. Nor do we reflect how pleasant it is to demand nothing, how noble it is to be contented and not to be dependent upon fortune. Therefore, continually remind yourself, Lucilius, how many ambitions you have attained. When you see many ahead of you, think of how many are behind. If you would thank the gods and be grateful for your past life, you should contemplate how many men you have outstripped. But what have you to do with the others? You have outstripped yourself. Fix a limit which you will not even desire to pass, should you have the power. At last, then, away with all these treacherous goods, 
They look better to those who hope for them than to those who have attained them. If there were anything substantial in them, they would sooner or later satisfy you. As it is, they merely rouse the drinker's thirst. Away with fripperies which only serve for show. As to what the future's uncertain lot has in store, why should I demand of fortune that she give, rather than demand of myself that I should not crave? And why should I crave? Shall I heap up my winnings and forget that man's lot is unsubstantial? For to what ends should I toil? Lo, today is the last. If not, it is near the last. This letter starts out with an air of condescension that I almost couldn't get through, but I'm glad I did. Seneca is too frequently, I think, overly dramatic in the way he speaks, or in this case, writes, I guess. And when that flair for dramatic writing isn't too self aggrandizing, it is tolerable. But to say, quote, if you are studying philosophy, it is well, end quote, is just a little too much fanboying over philosophy for my tastes though I don't disagree with him. So often it is with Seneca that what he says is wonderful in the end, but how he says it could stand a bit of humbling. Someone could have taken Seneca down a peg or two, I think. But I guess Seneca wouldn't be the dynamic and charismatic fellow that he is without this quality of his character. And in true Senecan fashion, as I've just said, while his delivery is a bit irksome at the outset, for me anyway, his point is a very good one. First, that anything worth doing is best done simply, and second, that people hungry for money, whether as a result of poverty or greed, are willing to do almost anything to make an easy dollar. How many snake oil salesmen do you come across in a day on LinkedIn or other social media platforms, how many people are selling solutions to problems that don't exist and then expending all their effort and energy on marketing meant to convince you that said non-existent problems really do exist and you, of all people, have those problems? How convenient. Do you remember the thigh master? How about the Bowflex? How about the shake weight? What about that one belt that you would put around your belly and it would shock your ab muscles to develop your six-pack while you were just sitting on the couch watching TV eating candy? That was a good one. Anyone who has ever gotten into shape since health is at the beginning of this letter knows that there are really only three things you need to do to lose weight and be physically fit. Burn more calories than you eat, eat simply and clean, and do calisthenics. When I was in military academy, for example, I went from 250 pounds to 190 pounds in three months. Do you know what we recruits, as they called us, did seven days a week? We ate well and did physical training in the mornings. Push-ups, side straddle hops, mountain climbers, flutter kicks, mountain bikes, and a one-mile run. That's it. No shake weights, no special food, no crazy equipment, just running basic exercise you could do in your own home, and healthy eating. Now, can you get jacked with that routine? Can you get to a point where you're squatting 400 pounds? No, you can't. At least I don't think so. But do you need to squat 400 pounds? What are you trying to achieve with that accomplishment? Fitness? Health? No. 
not fitness, not health. Your capacity for feats, maybe, something like that. But fitness and health are completely disconnected from extreme strength and power. Is a man or woman only healthy or fit if they can bench press three or four or five times their body weight or run 50 miles without stopping? Those are fine goals to have, by the way. I'm not shaming you if any of those goals I've just mentioned are your own, but they aren't about fitness or health. Not really. Fitness or health happens far before you're doing any of those things. In this letter, or at least the first half of it, Seneca is warning us against doing more than we need to do when doing so leaves us less time to focus on philosophy, on thinking about how to become virtuous individuals. Now remember, within the context of Stoicism, that's our ultimate point. We are working to develop virtuous characters and attain that special kind of knowledge called virtue. Imagine you're spending three hours a day in the gym instead of just one hour a day in your home getting more normal exercise. 21 hours a week at the gym means 14 hours less that you can be focused on philosophy than if you just spent seven hours a week working out in the backyard or running around your neighborhood. Is that time well spent or is it not? Now, I'm not telling you the answer. I'm just asking the question. As you know, in Stoicism, the answer is going to depend, as Kai likes to say. It depends. Perhaps your role in life or in your community is to become an Olympian weightlifter, in which case extreme working out would be absolutely necessary and appropriate. So again, I'm not telling you the answer to that question. I'm just asking the question. Seneca is also warning us against individuals who use this knowledge of us and perhaps their need for money, to create expensive solutions that will drain our resources and take up more of our time. You don't need to be told how to walk. You don't need special shoes to go on a walk. You just need to go on a walk. You know how to do that. You do not need to speak like a Shakespearean actor to speak effectively. You just need to speak thoughtfully and simply. Did you like that? I felt weird speaking like that, personally. Thoughtfulness, simplicity, and moderation. That's what Seneca is advocating for in this letter. But what do you think about this letter? Did you take the same thing away from it that I did? If not, what did you take away? Share it with our Discord community or write it down in your personal journal. Take at least 15 minutes after today's episode to think about it. Even if you don't write it down or share it with us, just spend some time thinking about it. Then ask yourself how you might be overcomplicating your own health and fitness or other aspects of your life, or if you've been ignoring your health or fitness, how easy it might be to actually do something about it right now without spending money or taking things to extremes. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here. And until next time, take care. Thank you.